Just close our eyes for a minute. Is the worthy one. He's the great I am. He's the one that says nothing is impossible for God. He's the one who is the breaker of chains. He is the one who's the deliverer of the oppressed. He's the one that has broken the power of the enemy. He is the one who gives us life. He is the one who liberates us and sets us free. He is the one who lifts our hearts. He is the one who causes us to walk on water. He is the one who raises the dead. He is the one who heals the sick. He is the one who feeds the 5,000. He is the one who supplies our needs. His name is Jesus. He is our God and He is our King and He's the one that we celebrate here this morning. We praise His name. We worship Him. We are here for Him and in His name. And God, I pray this morning that You'll be glorified, that Your presence will come with great power. And Father, we want to be a people this morning walking in the freedom and Lord, in the faith that You've given to us. Lord, may we truly be the people of God in the 21st century we're living in. Lord, we want to be nothing less than all that you want us to be today. And I pray for your grace to be able to do that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Okay. One of the questions I um, ask myself on a fairly regular basis is this. What is God saying to us as a generation of Christians at the moment? I think it's, some, it's a question we should all be able to answer. What is God saying to us? If you want to paraphrase that in the words uh, of the, of the New Testament, what is the Spirit of God saying to the church right now? And for probably the last six months, the sense that I've had is that we need to be a whole lot more intentional about living by faith again. I say that for two reasons. Because there are two great challenges that face the believer. One is it's too comfortable and you don't need to live by faith. And the other, it's too challenging and you're too scared to live by faith. Hebrews reminds us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Or if we turn that around, it's only by faith that we can be the people God wants us to be. It's only by faith that we're going to make an impact. Did you know that uh, nobody cares whether you go to church on Sunday or not. Do you know the rest of the world couldn't be 
They couldn't be bothered. When you go to church five times on a Sunday, it's not going to make a difference to any of them. But when we live by faith, it does. Knowing the great stories of faith that we've been talking about for a while now. Knowing those stories is quite important. It's important to know the stories. But I think what's way more important than knowing the stories is believing that there are examples for us so that we can live by faith. It's not a good story just to hype us up. It's a story to show us how to live by faith. Those stories are are there as an encouragement when we start to doubt. They're, They're indicators of what biblical faith is actually all about. The end of the story of, that is told by Luke in, in, in chapter 7 of his gospel about a, a Roman centurion. You will remember the story well. His a servant was sick and he really cared for his servant. And so he sends the Jewish elders to Jesus and he says, oh, can, can you come and you heal my servant? And do and you remember the rest of the story as Jesus comes and his servant is healed? But Jesus makes to me what is a profound statement. He says, not in all Israel have I found faith like that. I want you to think for a minute. The the Jews were the people who had received the word of God. They were the people who had the prophecies. They were the people that had the prophets. They were the people who had all the promises of God. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 9. He said, theirs is the adoption of sons. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all forever praised. Amen. And Jesus highlights the fact that it's a Gentile who had nothing of that who has faith. Here's somebody who's not received the promises, didn't have the prophets, didn't have all the blessings that the people of God, the Jews, had, and yet he's the the person that's having faith. And I want to say to you today, friends, we have received the promises of God. We've got the scriptures. We've got the Spirit of God. And friends, it's up to us to have faith. If a Gentile can do that, then we can today. I think that's a word of encouragement to us. So let's read the account And then pick it up from there. When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of all the people, he entered Capernaum. And remember, Capernaum was his base at that stage. It was the place from which he was operating. And there a centurion servant whom his master valued highly was sick and was about to die. So this was quite a serious illness. A centurion heard of Jesus and he sent some of the elders of the Jews to him asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. The man, the, 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 this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation. He's built our synagogue. And so Jesus went with him. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. It's interesting in this story. Never ever does the centurion and Jesus meet face to face. Quite interesting. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I'm a man, myself I'm a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go and he goes, and that one, come and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this and he does it. 
And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. And then the men who had been sent returned to the house and they found the servant well. Now there are a couple of things I want to draw out of the story as we look at this whole issue of faith. And the first is this, is that Biblical faith is not an exact science. We haven't got it all waxed. We haven't got all the answers. We don't understand everything about God and the ways of God. We know that. But we are still called to live by faith despite that. Some of you here this morning have been put off by, by, by some of the excesses you've encountered in some circles. Some of you have had real struggles with this whole issue of faith, disappointments that, that you've had to deal with along the way. I mean, you remember John the, John the Baptist. He, here's, the, here's the guy who had baptized Jesus. Here's the guy who'd identified him as the Messiah. Here's the guy who'd seen that amazing thing happen when the heavens opened and the Spirit came and heard the voice of God. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And a little bit later, John the Baptist is in prison. And because he's in prison, he's struggling with some of his own doubts. And he sends word to Jesus and he said, Are, are you the one to come or, or should we expect somebody else? And Jesus replies, very simple. In that same chapter of Luke, he said, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who've had leprosy are cured, the deaf hear and the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. And some of you here this morning have tried to have faith like that. You've tried to have the faith of the, of the Roman centurion, and it's not worked out the way you believed it, it would have. There are some of you here this morning who have faithfully prayed for people in your own family, maybe your loved ones, who've been very ill and you've trusted God for a healing and they've died. I've done that. I've prayed for somebody I really believed. And it didn't work the way that I was believing it would. Things that we've sincerely trusted God for. It might have been finance, it might have been a job, it might have been anything. It's not worked out the way that you thought it was going to. Or you were believing God. What are you supposed to do in circumstances like that? Well, just imagine this morning. If every single one of us here knew what would happen if we had faith. You kind of, like, I know exactly what God's going to do if I've got faith. Do you know what would happen after this meeting? You would run out of this building... Every one of us would run out of this building. We would be praying for people who would have no jobs because we believe God would give them jobs. We would be praying for people who who've struggling financially because we believe in God would do that. We would pray for the sick and we, because we believed they would be well. Do you know that a, a revival would start if we believed that? You see, I think this is the whole point. God wants His church to be like that. And isn't that the point? E even though we don't always get it right, even though our understanding of God's ways is not perfect, we are still meant to live by faith. I think it's sad that we've become more influenced and affected by what might not happen rather than what God might do 
if we really had faith. Living by faith is not an exact science for perfectionists. If you're a perfectionist this morning, you're going to struggle. Listen to Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. There's an element of which I do not see. I'm trusting, I'm walking in faith. That's what the ancients were, were commended for. Now, when I was preparing this, I picked up this story and I want you to just hear a little bit of it about a, a guy by the name of Dwayne Miller. He was a a pastor in the Baptist church in the States. He was preaching one Sunday morning, and during the time he was preaching, he lost his voice. Thought, and they went afterwards, and they thought, well, maybe he had flu, and it had affected his voice. And over time, it just got progressively worse and worse and worse, until he was actually forced to resign his pastorate. He couldn't, he couldn't speak. He couldn't preach anymore. And, 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 continue to go to doctors, continue to have treatment, and eventually he was told you will never get better. In fact, you're probably going to lose your voice altogether. And then one Sunday morning, he was worshipping at a church, and they, they developed a, they got hold of one of these really special, super-sensitive mics. And because he was a great teacher of the Word, uh, they had him teaching one of the adult Sunday school classes, and the special mic with his rasping voice, he was able to teach them. Can we listen to that, please? On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again, is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And then in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm bit overwhelmed at the moment. I'm not quite sure what to say or do. <laughs> I'm uh, Sounds funny to sit at a loss for words. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. 
You get the point? Friends, we are a generation of people sitting with the promises. We have the Word of God. We have the promises of God. And let Jesus not say of His church today when He looks at us, I wish that I'd found faith in you like I saw in the Roman centurion. In Luke 18, and it's not on the screen, is a very powerful question that Jesus asked, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? There's something else that I want to share with you from the story, this account. Having faith is something we have to pursue. It is something that is an intentional choice we make. I say that to you this morning because we are a feelings-driven generation. If we can put the next slide up, please. We are a feelings. We are waiting until we feel as though we're full of faith. Friends, faith is a choice you make based on what you believe. James, the brother of Jesus, writes about this in, in what I want to call this morning his letter of faith. He's probably the most practical person in the whole Bible when it comes to faith. He says, in fact, in chapter 2, verse 18, you, someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's one God, great stuff. Even the belie demons believe that and shudder. He's saying, don't talk about faith as Christians if you're not prepared to live by faith in the world in which you live. The Roman centurion is commended for faith because he acts on his faith. He sends for Jesus. He says, come and heal my servant. He's commended for his faith because of what he believes about Jesus. Led to him asking Jesus to heal his servant. And the interesting thing is nowhere are we told where that guy came to hear about Jesus. Nowhere are we told where he got this incredible understanding that he had. Listen to, to what he says to Jesus as he sends some friends to him as Jesus is on the way. Say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority. With soldiers under me, I know what it's like to be under authority, to have authority. I tell this one, go and he goes and that one, come and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this and he doesn't. By implication, he's saying to Jesus, I know that you are under authority and that you have authority. I understand how that works. And here we've got the least likely person in the whole Bible actively confessing what he believed about Jesus. What Jesus was able to do. Because what Jesus did was under authority from his father. That's why that question that Jesus asks his disciples is so important. It's a question you and I need to deal with as well. Who do men say that I am? And who do you say that I am? You see, you need to answer that question. We need to discover who Jesus really is and who we're really putting our faith in because when we discover who Jesus is and when we put our faith in Him who is the Son of God, who's under authority and has all authority and is our great high priest, things will begin to change. 
going back to what God has said or to what the Bible teaches, is the only thing that will dislodge unbelief and doubt because they're going to come. You can be sure of that. Faith is a conscious choice we make. Friends, faith is a conscious choice we make when we are going through trials. Somebody going through a trial here this morning, I'm pretty sure somebody is. It's impossible in a church this size that they can't be. But you know what faith looks like? It looks like this considerate old joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith will produce perseverance and perseverance will complete its work in you so that you may be mature and not lacking in anything. I want to say that's a faith response when you're having trial. Now there's two things you're going to be tempted to do. One of them is run away. And the other one is to ignore it completely. Faith says, I choose. I choose to live differently. Faith is a choice we make when we are facing serious illness. The Bible says if any of you are sick, James says it in chapter 5, then bring your sick people to the church, to the elders, and let the elders anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. Do it, friends. That's what faith looks like. It's a choice we make when we are in need. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said that, that your father who, who, who cares for the birds of the air and, and for the flowers, and if he cares for them, doesn't he care for you a whole lot? And friends, we like me, and I don't, I don't want to preach at you. I, I, I want to be part of this. Uh, there are times when you, you are fearful and you are overwhelmed with the stuff and God says, choose a faith response. Faith is a lifestyle we consciously embrace because of what we believe. But then, there's another element that I want to touch on in this story. Faith means leaving the miraculous up to God. Isn't that the place where faith starts to get a bit tricky? It's, it's when we want to try and figure it all out. If you try to figure out God, <laughs> you want to have faith and you're trying to, okay, God, if you do it this way and that, and it, it's got a chance. And you know what I've discovered? When we try and figure it out, we often do so on the basis of our experience rather than the Word of God. Friends, we need to stop this nonsense of saying those things don't happen when the Bible says they do. Because your experience needs an upgrade. It needs to come into alignment with the Word of God. Or we've, what we've become used to, instead of... God's Word and what God's Word says, or what other people believe instead of God's Word, or, or what makes sense to us instead of God's Word. If the centurion had done any of those things, his servant would have been dead. But verse 10 says, The men who had been sent returned to the house and found his servant well. Friends, there isn't a special formula for faith. It's simply Trusting Jesus. Did you know that the Bible reminds us that there were a couple of times when even Jesus was hindered from doing miracles because people would not believe? 
You find it in, in Matthew 13 when he was in his hometown. And, and, and people are skeptical. They say, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And the account finishes in verse 58. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. You see, they tried to figure it all out. Mark puts it slightly differently. He says he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, I need to say this morning, this is not a message on healing. It is a message on faith. It just happens to be in the context of healing. It's about having faith in Jesus, a reminder that Christians are people who live by faith. And friends, if I can say this morning, if we're going to err, let's start erring on the side of faith instead of unbelief. Faith should be evident when we pray. It should be evident when we speak, when we minister, when we're suffering, when we face trials, when we're sick, when we're in need. And you know what? Faith is going to be tested. In fact, let me put it to you like this. Faith needs to be tested. Because faith is so important to God, if it's not tested and refined and purified and strengthened, we're going to fumble and bumble along. Peter says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, maybe persecutions. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, there are some people here today who've got great faith, sitting right here this morning. And you know who you are. You, you, you've got great faith. But there are also other people over here this morning who are struggling with doubt. As you are sitting here right now, you're struggling with doubt. There, there are some of you that are struggling with guilt because you don't believe you've got enough faith. And there's some of you struggling with unbelief because you have trusted God, you've had faith, you've put it into action, and it all went pear-shaped. Let me read to you a statement that Jesus made. He said, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. And if your mountain this morning is guilt, then say to that, be cast into the sea in Jesus' name. If it is unbelief, do the same. If it is doubt this morning, do the same. Let's say to those mountains, be cast into the sea, because we make a faith choice here this morning. As I've said, faith is not an exact science for perfectionists. In other words, you're not going to get it right all the time. That doesn't matter. Still live by faith. Faith means we keep choosing to trust Jesus. Staying focused on Jesus. Faith means leaving the miraculous up to God because we trust Him. We don't have faith because of what happens. We have faith because God is who He says He is. Don't know how many of you have 
heard of or read of Nick Vujicic. There he is. He was a guy that was born without arms and legs. And he's an evangelist, by the way. Seen hundreds of people coming to Jesus. He tells the story. I was listening to a little bit of that this week. He tells the story of uh, a time after a meeting when there was a woman that asked for prayer. She, her whole back had been bent like this, so she was walking kind of skew. She'd been in an accident. And they prayed for her, and instantly she was healed. And he said, isn't it interesting? God worked there, but I've got no arms and legs. Point taken. But you know what? His disability has not changed the fact he lives by faith. He's still bringing glory to God. In fact, you know what he said? And I'm not sure if you're serious or joking. He says, just in case, I keep a spare, pair of shoes in the cupboard. <laughs> you know what the evidence of his faith is? It's full of the joy of the Lord. He's bringing glory to God through his life. He knows he's, he's bringing hope to people all over the world because he's choosing to live by faith in Jesus despite his hardship and disability. I was listening to his testimony because he said, I, I went, you know, during his, his years as a child, it was extremely difficult and he tried to commit suicide once by rolling over in the bath to drown himself. And he shared what his turning point was, and I felt I wanted to share that with you, the scripture. It's John chapter 9, if we can put it up. As he went along, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Nick Wojcik was born that way. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened at the work of God might be displayed in his life. He said, that turned it for me. Because he said, I suddenly realized God had a plan and a purpose for me. No arms and no legs. But God had a plan. And my life could display the works of God. And, and we know that's where he's at. But he said, I will not allow that to rob me. I choose to believe. I choose to have faith. I choose to live with joy. I choose for my life to make a difference. I choose to share Jesus. I choose to bring hope because I believe in the God of gods and King of kings. And friends, that's where we're at today. You heard that. And I wanted to play that story of Dwayne Miller to you for a reason. It was years before God broke through in his situation was more than two years and just there came a day now, my sense is for us as a people cannot live in the shallow waters of faith anymore this is not about me or you trying to twist the arm of God it's about you and me trusting in Jesus allowing him to be Lord praying for miracles Trust keeping our joy, having our eyes fixed on Him, believing that He is who He says He is. That's how the works of God are displayed in our lives. 
It isn't an exact science. I wish it was. But you see, I think what would warm the heart of Jesus today is when we met somebody who had a need, we just said, can I pray a prayer of faith for you? Do you mind if I just, you know what you're going to discover? I'm willing to put a little bit on this. You're going to discover God doing a whole lot of things you were never aware of before. Because the moment we step out in faith, things begin to change. It's faith that shifts things. Not singing songs, faith shifts things. It's when I step out, it's saying, when God, I'm going to believe, I'm going to trust in you. If a man without arms and legs willing to pray for somebody and she gets healed, then maybe we should do that as well this morning. I'd like to ask you, if the Lord has spoken to you today, you're willing to say, Lord, I want your works to be displayed in my life. It is a choice that I believe God is calling his church to make again. want to say to the Lord today, Lord, let your works display, be displayed in me. If things change, God changes things, that's brilliant. If it stays as it is, you're still going to walk by faith. That's the deal. I'm going to invite you in a minute to stand if that's what you're saying to the Lord. It's a choice, it's a decision. Here's the thing that I need to add, I think. You're, you can pretty much bet on it you're going to be tested. If not in the week that lies ahead, probably in the week afterwards. It's the way I found it works. You see, nobody ever ran the comrades without training. Nobody ever got fit without going to gym. And our gym are the testings that God allows so that we can get strong. Church, do you want to say to Him this morning, I choose that His works would be displayed in my life. That's up to you. Please don't stand if you don't mean this. sense is to pray for you this morning that you'll be free in this. I don't want anybody to come into any bondage or legalism, but to be more empowered by the Spirit than you've ever been in There's nothing God asks me to do that I can do in my own strength. Not if you're going to do it kingdom-wise, the kingdom-wise. 
It's got to be by the Spirit and some choices you and I make based on what we believe. Somebody here, God is saying to you this morning, you thought I'd left you. You thought I'd forgotten. But I want to remind you, I have walked with you. But you got distracted. If some of you here this morning, these are just words I just sense the Lord dropping in my heart. There's some of you here this morning that are going to walk into a whole new experience of faith. Now because you've chosen. Because you've chosen to step out. You're going to, you're going to enter into a whole new realm of seeing things, God do things you've never experienced before. And there are some of you in this building who are really movers of mountains. And it's time for the church and those who are carrying that kind of faith to say, we're not going to be held back anymore. Friends, there's so much mess out there. What God needs is His church to be full of faith again. And we're it. Which is quite exciting. So God, we are your people this morning. We don't want to come with any airs and graces. We don't want to pretend we're more than what we are. But Lord, we one thing we know because you said so, the Spirit of God is in us. And you remind us, Lord, that the Spirit in us is greater than the one that's in the world. So Lord, we, I'm praying there's going to be no more intimidation anymore. No more intimidation. But Lord, rather that that would be replaced not by an arrogance or a or a loudness. I want to pray that it will be replaced with peace, gentleness, confidence. Lord, an ability to step in where you tell us to. To speak where we need to speak, to pray where we need to pray. But Lord, we want to see your kingdom advancing. Lord, we want to see, we're not on the back foot when you said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Lord, I want to pray, let this be a church united, militant, moving forward by faith in Jesus. And God, let us see the gates of Hades creaking and groaning and then giving way. Because the church is marching by faith. Living under the Lordship of King Jesus. Father, I pray for that this morning. In the name of Jesus. Amen.